se recomienda las dosis de refuerzo de la vacuna contra el COVID-19 para ciertas personas. Para más información visita vaccinate.virginia.gov o llama al 877-829-4682. Mensaje del Departamento de Salud de Virginia. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Back to the Berg presented by Jagoff Sports. My guest today is a Beaver, Pennsylvania native selected in the sixth round of the 1983 MLB draft by the San Francisco Giants. He gained several accolades through his baseball career. He was the National League wins leader in 1993, selected the two All-Star games, and he recorded the first complete game in Divisional Series history, which was also the first postseason win in Texas Rangers history. And his face is forever hung on the San Francisco Giants Wall of Fame in Oracle Park. Now retired from baseball, my guest is now an active athlete, or still an active athlete, I should say, bowling on the senior tour of the PBA. Please welcome back to the Berg, John Burkett. Johnny, how you doing? I'm doing good, Cody. Good, good. Oh, yeah, we got this other guy. Uh, says he knows you. Uh, says he's known you for a long time. Also says he taught you how to pitch. I don't know if that's true. Well, it's not true. I mean, yeah, he's close. <laughs> it's close. He taught me how to hit. So if, if yeah. anybody out there, yeah, if you want to check out my hitting numbers in my career, <laughs> think it's a good thing I became a pitcher and, you know, learned that instead of instead – Yeah, of, you know, since, since this is back to the burg and we're talking about your childhood, figured we'd bring on your childhood, childhood best friend who you're still friends with today, and that's Kenny fucking Wallace, as I know. <laughs> hey, be nice. <laughs> Mr. Canadian Mist. Yeah, Mr. Canadian <laughs> Mist. <laughs> yeah, be nice now. <laughs> All right, so let's yeah. just get into it. Uh, what What are some so of your So Kenny guys's... and I, Kenny and I grew yeah. up. Uh, yeah, basically we grew up in Crandon Circle. I don't know if anybody knows where that is, but it's. Uh, and Kenny, I met I met him whenever he was uh, living on Tuscarora Road, which is at the top of Crandon Circle or Wickham Heights. You might uh, people might know it as that. Yeah. So that's where I grew up, and, and Kenny was up on the top of the top of the entry of the neighborhood. And so the neighborhood was a circle of like 65 homes. And I know for a fact I would not have made it to the big leagues without growing up in that neighborhood because it was just sports every day, you know? Yeah. And I remember Kenny, Kenny's dad and mom would come, come down on their motorcycle and they were really good friends with the people across the street from me. And so, uh, I mean, we started hanging out at like five years old and it's just, you know, and our friendship has lasted this whole time, even through business. We do. We, we're in business together. Wallace and Burkett LLC. Yeah, I was. I was an we employee. Just talking about that. Yeah, I was we an buy employee of yours for and, a uh, Yeah, and rent some out and everything. So you know, our friendship has even lasted through that. You know, we've had some challenges, but but it's been great. You know, that's he's, awesome. He's a great guy. A lot of people can't say that. You know, they can't say they've been friends for. I don't even know what forty plus years. Yeah, yeah, we've been pretty lucky that way. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to find, you know, a good friendship for that long yeah, like period. <clears throat> so let's get into uh, the sports. You said you guys played sports every day growing up. What, like, what was the routine? Did you guys play like three different sports every day? Was it a, a sport a day? What were you guys doing, like, to be active? Go ahead, Ken. Well, it all depends. If it, you know. If it rained, we'd be inside in the basement. We'd be uh, throwing uh, a Nerf ball. Remember the Nerf ball and the bat and stuff? We'd be doing that on the inside. Like, wherever you hit, it was a home run or a strikeout. Or, remember we could throw the Nerf ball and make it, like, bend, like, 
drop out. I mean, you couldn't hit it. It was so hard. Well, the nastiest, the nastiest pitch was the pinch. You'd pitch, you could pinch the Nerf ball. You just pinch, you pinch it and throw the shit yeah, out of it. It, it was like a, it was like a split finger. It would just, it would drop. Oh wow, that's crazy. But we did that inside when it would rain, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but I mean, we played. The middle of the neighborhood was like a, you know, like four yards that came together, and so we played baseball in that backyard all the time. And uh, yeah. I would just pick up game, just a pickup game, you know. We played football in the winter. I remember if it was three inches of snow on the ground, we'd just, you know, put on a couple sweatshirts and, you know, no pads. Yeah, we just go to people's houses and knock on doors and say, "Hey, you want to play?" Yeah, and people come. And after a while, anyway. after a while, everybody knew we were playing. Everybody started coming to to the neighborhood to play. So we had like nice teams. We had what good seven on seven, eight on eight. And then oh, we yeah. had people. We had people just sitting on the sidelines wanting to get in and play. Right. And we had nice. people watching too. It's kind of neat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like you said, they'd be waiting. They'd just be waiting to get into the game, you know, and. uh Oh, and, and a even, lot of yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it even morphed into, uh, you know, challenges in other neighborhoods. Like we had a legendary game in Vanport where I, I was the quarterback and Wallace, Wallace, uh, I'm telling you, MVP. Oh, <laughs> Cody, he, he broke it. He was, he was tackling guys and they were saying, Hey man, you can't be tackling that low. He was just taking people's legs out and stuff. And hey, I mean, that's how you gotta do it. You gotta get the job done. He broke a dude's hip. In the game, yeah, ambulance came. <laughs> what was his name? That was stupid. He's embarrassed right. about it, but you, dude, well, you mean, were you were like you hit like a brick shit house. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah, those were fun times for sure. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, we played a bunch of different games. We figured it out, you know. No matter what, if we had three people, we had a game where we where we had a catcher. A pitcher and a hitter, and we just had zones, you know, where we would, you know, designate the zone, you know, what, what it was, a double, triple, home run, and we'd pitch from really close, so it was hard to hit. Yeah, yeah. tennis ball. Tennis, with a tennis ball, yeah. We wouldn't even have any gear on, huh? Yeah, tennis <laughs> ball, but we Me yeah, and right. Johnny Styles. Me and Johnny Styles, man. We freaking yeah, played all the time. All the time, yeah. If, if, if there was nobody else to play, you know, then we'd grab other people if we could, you know. But it all started from your, you know, your older brother and uh, his friends. And we got to, they let us play with them, you know, at a young age. Yeah, they were like and three I, and four years older than us. But, yeah, since we were pretty good, they would they would include us in their games. Yeah. I mean, the games are big. You're right. I mean, it, there was people waiting to get in and stuff. I remember up in Ponches, you know, up, up Ponches Yard up there when it drops down. Oh, there. yeah. But we go there and play a lot, you know. But, uh, oh, and then, yeah, hey, yeah. Cody, at night. At night, we didn't let our abilities go to waste either. No. What did we do at night? We did all kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, Grand Circle was vandalized. Yeah. The Murray Burkett gang? Oh, my God. What's that about? You got – whoa, what is that? You got to get into that. (laughs) Vandalized? Yeah, we were bad. I mean, we – like I said, we would use our – We'd use our abilities, our strong arm strength. Oh, geez. Okay. Havoc, I think I know cause havoc in the neighborhood. That. So we would we would take uh, <laughs> people's gardens and take tomatoes out of their garden, and we'd throw them throw them up in the air real high and let them you know land on the roof of their house. We'd have like five guys, right? We all yeah. had good arms. We had three guys thrown high, real high, and th- two guys thrown straight. 
and all you'd hear is boom, 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 boom. It was like a machine gun on the top of the roof. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. And oh, course, snowballs, out. snowballs. I mean, we would, yeah, we would, we would, uh, yeah, we would throw snowballs at cars and stuff from behind bushes and the school bus. When the school bus, see, the school bus would drop us off and it dropped down to the neighborhood and then it had to make the circle, go all around the circle. And then on the way back, on the way back through, there was only one entry and one exit. So they had nowhere to go. So we, you know, <laughs> on snow days, and stuff and it was snowing we were ready for them whenever when the bus would come around nice and there'd be like right. 10 kids throwing snowballs at the bus <laughs> oh we set up shops and just freaking unbelievable that was our younger yeah, days too i mean it got huh? a little worse we got older and it got a little worse we did more damage doing other yeah. stuff but that was it was, it was kids all, did back then yeah i mean fireworks i mean it, it was on fun it wasn't we didn't yeah. hurt anybody you know right but like fireworks were a big thing too back then. What were you doing with fireworks? Uh, we'd have firework battle. We'd blow. <laughs> we'd blow shit up. I mean. <laughs> yeah, bottle rockets. We didn't use, we didn't use bottle, bottle rockets. We didn't use bottles. We we would uh, wait till it started fizzing. You could time yeah. it perfectly. So right when it started fizzing, then we'd throw it. You know, we'd have a group over there, a group over here. We'd throw each other. So once <laughs> once we get halfway through the air, then it would take off. You know. I mean, we had M80s, M100s, M200s. It was amazing. All right. Well, let, let's get back into the sports yeah. and let's talk about. Damage. Is that my internet that's not doing well? I, I think, think so, so, yeah. Damn. You'd think the guy that makes more money than both of us combined would uh, have good internet. Oh, he's a cheap ass. I used to have, <laughs> I used to have good internet. <laughs> All right. Federal chief bass. What's that what's that plaque behind you there? Hmm? That plaque you walked by. Oh, that's this? Yeah, what is what is that? I Who's did an there? autograph session uh my rookie year in San Francisco. And Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock were there signing these. Oh, that's awesome. Lithographs or whatever. And uh so I got one. <clears throat> nice. And then, uh, so this, I'll show you some stuff. So this is uh, Jim Tripodi, who had the card shop in Beaver. Yeah, I used to go to his shop all the time. Yeah, he get, he came to the All-Star game in 93 in, in Baltimore, and he made this for me. Oh, wow. It's all the, it's all the players that were in the All-Star game, and then that's the scoreboard, and it has my name on it. That's awesome. Scoreboard, yeah, so he sent me that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, old Diamond Gyms. Me and my brother used Diamond to go Gym, there all the yeah. time. He used so to go this, through boxes, get all the good cards out, then he'd give us the boxes. <laughs> do, you know this, do you know what this is? Yeah, that's Forbes Field. There you go. Very good. Yeah. So I know my shit. 1960 <laughs> World Series. Yep. There's Wallace right there. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got this. You got one of these? Oh, wow. You got that? In, is that in your basement? Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that's the dream right there yeah so i've got uh well when i was, did this yeah i've been doing a senior tour bowling and then uh i've always wanted bowling lanes in my house and we built a new house here two years ago so yeah i put two lanes in and i got a pro shop so i can oh, drill wow. my stuff here that's and i got awesome. a broken wrist right now and i can't do shit so i'm pissed it's all going to waste yeah exactly <laughs> but it's funny i, I put this stuff in and uh, 
Dude, riding a bike? Are you kidding me? What? You breaking your wrist riding a bike? It's hilarious. Yeah, my, you were yeah, mountain biking. Mountain bike, I know. Dude, I'm we used to jump. That's, that's another thing we did as kids. We used to freaking jump. Yeah. Lay people down on the ground and jump over on ramps. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I've been wanting to take Kenny on this trip to Park City. Yeah. If anybody's been to Park City, I mean, it's a blast. They've got these mountain bikes, and you they they take you up on the on the lift. So there's no work. I mean, they take you to the, they take you to the top. You just of the go mountain. up, and then you come down real fast. All, they have trails <laughs> all mapped out, and jumps, and bank curves, and all that. And so I was like, I, I want to take Wallace, and because uh, Wallace is awesome on a bike. And I was like, I want to take you and Dale, my brother. You know, get a group. Mark Del Soda, Doug Buck. We were going to go up and do it. I was like, I'm worried about Wallace. You know, getting hurt though, because he's nuts. <laughs> so I was like, Wallace, Wallace, I, I'll give Wallace like probably 50-50 chance of going to the hospital if he goes. My, no very way, next trip, my very next trip I went with my family, I break my wrist. Man. It was because you suck at it. It was the Wallace first. <laughs> you can never ride a bike. It's true, you know. <laughs> I, got the Wallace, I got cursed. The Wallace curse. Yeah, whatever. That's funny. So let's talk about the sports. When did yeah, you guys get? When did you guys get into uh, organized sports in in the area back in Beaver? Well, I played little league in Brighton Township. Kenny played in Beaver. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, from the time we were eight years old. Did you did Start. you play Did you play any other sports other than baseball, or was it just strictly baseball? I bowled in the winter. Oh, so you've been bowling your whole life? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I bowled okay. junior leagues at uh, Beaver Valley Bowl. Okay. When I was a kid. And then, and then uh, Wedgwood uh, opened up. I don't know if you remember Wedgwood Lanes. I think I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, first we had Peak and Tom. Kenny and I worked at Peak and Tom. We were talking about those stories this morning. I mean, we had like, we used to make 20 sets of bowler working at setting bowling pins. Yeah. At Peak and Tom. Yeah. Which was uh, like four or five. What, what's it famous pizza now, Ken? What is it now? It's the China, it's China house now. Okay, so China thing. House. It was like five doors yeah. down from China House. Nice. And it was, yeah, uh, we used to set pins there. There was six lanes. So it was like super old school. You guys had to set up the pins? Yeah. Yeah, there was no machines. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we used to. What were we, 12? 12, we used 13? Cause, we used to cause hell there, too. <laughs> but, uh, 12, 13? Yeah, 12, 13. Yeah, we had jobs. We made 20, 20 cents a bowler. Wow. We were making big cheese back then. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so we did that you know little league right and then uh and then i played for beaver high school yeah we got a figure john let's go back to um wedgwood lanes they changed it to wedgwood and uh we applied for jobs there me and you and you got the job roscoe you applied for the you job, job too yeah both of us did you got it yeah i didn't know you applied for that job <laughs> yeah. We Zumpy both did. Zuppy used to go down and hassle Betty all the time, remember? Yeah. But but Roscoe yeah. and George Porter, they picked you and it, yeah, they it were just the worked out it worked out perfect for you. You know what I mean? Like you, you right, were I got, bowl. Bowl. I got the bowl for free and uh you know, then I worked for him. Uh in the cafe, they had a little cafe there and uh or a little snack bar or whatever. So I worked I worked like forty hours a week in high school. Oh really? Wow. Oh, we've so always do you do you've you always think... been grinders. Ken Ken had three jobs at one time. Yeah. 
So do you think if you didn't get that job, so say Kenny got that job and you didn't, do you think you still would have gone in to try and get, like, be on the PBA tour? Oh, yeah. I was still, I was bowling all the time. But, I mean, that definitely helped. Yeah. To be able to, uh, like, I oiled the lanes myself and so I could make them as difficult as I wanted or as easy as I wanted. You know, it was good yeah. practice. So let's talk about, uh, you mentioned playing for Beaver High School, obviously. Were you, I don't know the timeline, but was Coach Snicker there at that time? Yeah. What was it like playing for Snitker? I know he's he's like a local legend. Oh yeah, he was he was great. I mean, actually, uh, you know, I've got a pretty crazy story where I basically quit baseball one day because you know, working at Wedgwood, I had to. I had an there was an older gentleman that was a was an owner. His name was George Porter, and then a younger guy was Roscoe Rinelli. Roscoe worked at the steel mill. He wouldn't get there till four, so George was the older guy, or no, he wouldn't get there till six. George was the older guy. I would go after school. I'd see George, work with George for two and a half hours, and then Roscoe would show up. Well, whenever baseball started, I would go to baseball practice, and I'd be late for work, you know, and I didn't have – you know, I wasn't mature enough to, like, you know, figure it out. I was just like, you know, one day I'd be late for work. Next day I'd be – you know, wouldn't go to practice, vice yeah. versa. And it came to a head where George said, hey, you need to be here. You need to choose bowling. I mean, you need to choose work or baseball. And so I quit baseball. Like wow. the next day, I told I, I didn't tell Snitz. I told my buddies. You know, I was like, "Hey, tell Snitz I quit." <laughs> <laughs> That's and never luckily, a good move. <laughs> yeah, luckily Snitz showed up at the bowling alley that night, and he was like, "You know, what's this about you quitting baseball?" I go, "Yeah." I said, "No," and Roscoe was there, fortunately. You know, and Roscoe likes sports. Yeah, big time sports fan, and. uh Roscoe's like, you quit baseball? And I go, yeah. I said, because George said I either got to choose work or baseball, you know? And Roscoe's like, no, you're not quitting baseball. He said, you're, he said, you can work your whole life. He goes, you're not quitting baseball. He goes, we'll make it work here. And so they both got together and Johnny Styles played third base. And I, the days that I pitched, I was there. And whenever I didn't pitch, Snitz let me go to work. And, you know, because I, because he knew I wanted yeah. to bowl also, you know? My intentions were to be a professional bowler out of high school. Oh, so like baseball was being a professional baseball player even on your mind? Yeah, I mean, kind of. But I was thinking from Beaver, you know what I mean? Nobody ever made it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was good in high school, but I didn't think I was, you know, yeah, yeah, really good. So let's let's get into the, into that process because you were drafted out of high school. What was like the scouting like? Like, did you know you were being scouted? Like back then, you didn't have the internet to tell you, oh, this these are the top prospects. Right. So what what was that process like? Ken, do you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Yeah. But, I got you know, just this. Yeah, I don't want you to have to sit there and just, yeah. Like yeah, Kenny, to Kenny and I are, man, we're still tight. And he's, 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 he's the best. Best buddy anybody could ask for. Yeah. Thanks, bro. He's the man. <laughs> love you, man. All right, love you. Check you later. All right, thanks, All right. Kenny. All right. All right, bye. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, so the, so my junior year, my junior year, I was nine and two, I think, and they started scouts started coming out. Yeah, they'd, they'd be behind the backstop, you know, and their radar guns and all the business, you know. And then I had a couple uh, tryouts that that year, and then my senior year got pretty crazy. Yeah, where there was like twenty and thirty scouts behind home plate every game that I pitched. Wow. Yeah, it was it was full. That's crazy. Yeah, so, okay. I mean, we had a really good team. Yeah, who uh, who else on that team? My dad tells me about him all the time. Was it from that team? 
There's another Doug pitcher. Pyatt. Yeah, Doug, Doug Pyatt. Pyatt. Yeah. Doug Pyatt got your well, he he uh went to Western Kentucky. So he played at West. He didn't get drafted at high school. He went to Western Kentucky for a year or two. Then he got drafted and he made it to the big leagues. I mean, he made it with the Expos, yeah. Cleveland. I think he pitched with Cleveland too. But uh, I mean, Doug was everybody as good as me. Yeah. Through probably he probably threw a little harder than me, and he could hit. I mean, he was an all around, all around you know player. Yeah. Uh, and I was basically a pitcher. And that was it. But uh, we had, I mean, Jim Hummels our shortstop, and Johnny Styles played third, and. Jimmy Rubino played second, and Doug Dragon played first. Bobby McCann was our catcher. He did a really good job. He had a plate. And uh, Shiloh, who's a you know, legend, yeah. football legend from Beaver. I mean, he played our senior year. He, you know, he because he's just such a great athlete. And Snitz knew we had a chance to win, and so he put him on our team. You know, basically the best athlete in the school. You know, and and, uh, and he played left field for us. Nice. He did, he did a really good job in left too. So. But anyway, yeah, we had a really good team and made it all the way to the state final, and uh, and I ended up going twelve and zero for the season. And scouts were coming, and we made it real deep into the state, so I got a lot of you know a lot of exposure that way. You know, so it all worked hand in hand. You know, I mean, if we were on a terrible team, yeah, uh, you know, it'd have been probably a little different story. And but I got a lot of exposure that summer. And yeah, uh, so I think how I was pitcher of the state that year? the state of Pennsylvania, they did like a ranking every year. And, you know, so I got drafted in the sixth round. So how, how did that go down? Like, uh, like back in the day, did they just give you a call? Like you didn't know who was calling? Just somebody. Because it was pretty funny. So what? it's a pretty funny story. Okay. So uh, we played somewhere, I think, Shippensburg or something. And, uh, and I came home and there was a piece of paper about that big below the phone. Yeah. Because we had the house phone, you know, back then. And it said San Francisco, sixth round. That's how I found out. There was nobody at the house. That's all it said was San Francisco, yeah, mom, sixth round. My mom answered the phone or something, and it said, yeah. And it was a piece of paper about that big. Wow. And, That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. And so she, I guess she was at work, and, you know, my parents were divorced at the time. So yeah. my mom was working all the time. So, you know. So there was no big party or, you know, anything like that. So and when, then, uh, when, Snitz, was was, my, Snitz was basically my agent. I mean, yeah. you know, the scout came to my house, and I remember negotiating that day. You know, and they started out at like sixty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And uh, and we got them to twelve five. Nice. <laughs> and, yeah. So uh, I was making a dollar fifty an hour at the bowling alley. So when I got a check for twelve five, I thought, damn, I could retire now. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so. So when did it actually like settle in since like it wasn't a big like, oh my God, you were drafted. Like when did that actually settle in that you're like, wow, I'm going, I got a chance to go to the MLB. Right. Well, and the thing was, is that we play, you know, our focus was on winning the state championship. Yeah, know? obviously. I, mean, I love my, my guys and everything. I, I, I swear to you. I mean, of course I was happy about getting drafted, but my real focus was my, my buddies, you know, I mean, we yeah. had such a close knit group, you know, we wanted to win it all and we didn't, you know, we, had, we, we fell a little short the two one final i mean pie pitched the final pitched a great game and uh yeah they were just they were a good team we played reading and they beat us but uh but anyway i i was more focused on that and then i mean i literally left like two days after we lost two days later i was on a plane to uh great falls montana that's where oh, i started wow. yeah i played rookie ball in montana so that's kind of where it hit i remember getting into great falls at two in the morning and we had a 
bus trip the next day to Lethbridge, Canada. That's where the Dodgers were. And uh, we took a school bus. It was like yeah. a six-hour drive on a school bus. <laughs> and I fell asleep on someone's – you guy's name's Ken Dressler. I fell asleep on his shoulder because I was so knocked out, you know, all, <laughs> traveling all night. All the travel and all that, yeah. yeah. And he always told the story. He's like, I remember whenever you started, yeah, the first day, you're drooling on my shoulder. We ended up being friends, you know, but yeah. So I went to I went to Great Falls and I was two and six. So my senior year, I was twelve and zero, and I had like, I think I gave up like twenty hits in like ninety five innings and had like one hundred and sixty strikeouts. And I mean, I'd strike out fifteen and walk none, you know, or walk. I mean, I always had pretty good control. So I mean, my I bet my average line was probably one walk and thirteen strikeouts, you know. My senior yeah. year, school. but uh, a couple of hits, pitched complete game every time. I mean, I would never get taken out, you know. And Pyatt was the same way. I mean, when he and I took the hill, it was we were getting we were we were pitching seven innings. Yeah, you know? that's. I mean, we, there was no pitch counts or anything like that. It was just like, yeah, go get them. But uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, and uh, I can't remember where I was going with this, but uh. Oh, okay. So I, I went to Great Falls. I was two and six with a six ERA my first year. Oh, so wow. talk about getting a slap in the face. Yeah. Yeah. So you reality. go from dominating Western right. Pennsylvania and all of Pennsylvania in the playoffs. Now you're like, yeah. here's reality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's something that people don't realize. Yeah, I was a high school kid from Western Pennsylvania. And when I, when I went to Great Falls, Montana, I mean, I was playing against guys, uh, that played four years at Stanford. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my basic attack was sinker, you know, sinker for a strike, sinker for a strike, and I'm 0-2, and I'm throwing a curveball, you know? Yeah. I'm going to try to punch him out here. So they kind of figured <laughs> out my pattern <laughs> pretty quick. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah, know, they were on it pretty quickly. But, uh, yeah, I remember that was, it was a rude awakening, you know? And then I, but I, I picked – I had really good coaching. I was real lucky to have really good coaching, I think. It was all the coaches I ever had, so I don't know if there's, you know, but I, but I really think I had, I had good coaching all the way through. I went to Clinton, Iowa the following year in the Midwest League. Then I went to Fresno, California, another A ball. So I went rookie ball, a, low A, high A. And then I went to double A, Shreveport. And uh, that's where I met my wife. Oh, nice. Yeah, 86, 87, a little bit of 88. And then I played in Phoenix for two years, uh, two and a half years, so seven years total. Yeah, so then I, I – well, I actually got called up uh 1987. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, from Double A, I got my – the September call-up when they expanded the roster. So, I got to pitch uh, six innings that year. Yeah, you made you made three appearances. I was going to ask you, what, what was that experience like since you got sent back down to the minors for a few more years? Was that just like – that was that more motivation for you? Like you got that taste, now you want to get back? Oh, man, it was just such t- – it was tough, you know? I mean, because – once you get that little taste, you want to get you want to get back, and uh, it took me two and a half more years to get back. But uh, yeah, just getting called up in '87, the feeling of you know, no matter what happens, I, I have this. You know, I, I'm able to uh, say you, say you did it. That was such a cool thing. And then, uh, but after that, you want to really make a career out of it, like you said. And I, I took two and a half more years to get to get a call up. Uh, I was in Phoenix. You know, the ball flies there. I was a sinker ball guy. Yeah, Phoenix in the summer. I mean, the the, gra- the grass, the ground underneath the grass is like concrete. I mean, the infield mm-hmm. was super fast. The ball flew out of the ballparks. It was really a tough place to pitch, you know. And uh, 
I never got an opportunity. And then finally, the strike season of 90, we started late. And so they had uh, makeup games. Off days uh, were single games they had to make up. Yeah. And uh, I remember being in Edmonton, Canada, charting the game. We'd chart, we'd chart the game from the uh, stands. Yeah. On the days we didn't pitch, you know, leading up to the day you pitched. And I remember doing the, the chart in the stands and it was snowing in Edmonton, Canada. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're playing. And guys that got hurt in the big leagues and people kept on passing over me. And, you know, I'm, I'd basically almost given up. And I was just like, at the end of this year, I'm going to leave the Giants and go somewhere else. You know, and maybe I'll yeah. get a chance somewhere else. So I was trying to have a good year in Phoenix. I started out two and one with two complete games. Anyway, I'm in the stands, chart the game. It's snowing. I'm in a jacket. I'm pitching the next day. I walk in the clubhouse and they call me in the office and I thought I was going to get released. Really? Traded, yeah. Or traded or something, you know. And they wow. said, hey, we're calling you the big leagues. You know, they're, they're calling you for the big leagues. So, get on the airplane. You're pitching at Dodger Stadium, which was our rival. <laughs> yeah. You're starting at Dodger wow. Stadium, you know, two days from now. You know, they're going to fly you to L.A. It's one game. Mike Lacoste sprained his ankle in a rundown. And so I don't even think they put him on the DL. They they put took one of the relievers, sent them to AAA, and I came up to replace Lacoste, you know, just to fill in on his start. And uh, I remember my attitude on the plane was, oh, you know, I'm going to pitch one game and they're going to send me down, right? And I was kind of nervous about it. And, you know, and I, these thoughts were all coming to my mind. And then I just all of a sudden I turned, flipped the switch, and I told myself, I said, no matter what, I'm going to make an impression in this game. You know, I just totally flipped, flipped my attitude over. And I said, yeah. if, I ha if I have to fucking tackle somebody before they get the first base, I'm doing it. Make sure they know who you are. If somebody fouls a pitch off and it's an inch outside, I'm throwing one under the chin the next pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I attacked that game. And, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I remember the very first, pit first, first hitter I faced was uh, Juan, Samuel, Juan Samuel. I think I went fastball away for a strike fastball away for a strike next pitch was like a little bit outside and he fouled it off and next one I came up underneath his chin and then the next pitch I went back away strike three and then it was just gone from there you know I think I pitched seven innings gave up one run something we beat the Dodgers in yeah. Dodger Stadium Lacoste's ankle was still bothering him they said hey let's give Burke another chance you know he's throwing strikes the defense was really good so that would fit my game perfectly. I was a sinker ball guy. The Giants' defense was really good back then. Uh, we had a really good defense. So it was so fun to pitch for those guys. So anyway, go to Montreal. Dennis Martinez, their, their number one starter. I'm, I got to face him. And uh, I pitch eight innings against the same attitude. I said, I don't give a shit what happens. I'm, you know, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm winning this game. That's awesome. I don't care what it takes. And, uh, Pitched eight innings against the Expos and beat them three to one. Beat Dennis Martinez three to one. And that was it. They made a different decision. Lacoste was out of the rotation. They, they basically took him out of the rotation, put three me in. in. So I'm 25 years old. I'm with Lacoste, Don Robinson, who used to be with the Pirates, Rick Russell, a bunch of old guys. Yeah. <laughs> you were the young gun coming up. And they didn't treat me very well. I mean, they, they were okay, you know, but they just, they, didn't take me right. I kind of, it was kind of like it, you know, like I took one of their buddy's jobs, you know? Yeah. It's like, who's this young like guy that. thinks he can hang with the big dogs? 
but I just, I had the me against the world attitude. You know, I just, I didn't care. I was just on a mission, you know? And so I ended up 14 and seven my rookie year. And it, you know, yeah. that kind of catapulted me into, I mean, there's nothing they could do that. They're not going to send me down now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, yeah, that, that was just a matter of maintaining my job after that, you know, and I never felt comfortable, never felt like I had a job. You know, always felt like I was competing for a job. And, yeah, I think that attitude is basically how you got to take it. Yeah. So let's, let's jump to 1993, which is probably your best season. It was just a few, a few seasons after your debut. Right. Do you, first, I want to know, do you think that was your best shot at winning a World Series in your career? I do. I think it was probably the best team I played for. Yeah. Uh, I had teams that we, you know, obviously made the playoffs. I think I made the playoffs seven years in a row at the end of my career or something. But, mm -hmm. uh, but I thought that was the best team. So yeah, let's, we picked up Barry from the Pirates and yeah. I was going to go through the stats. So you, obviously you led the NL with 22 wins. Right. And then you also had another pitcher on your starting staff, Bill Swift, who had 21 wins. Right. Obviously you mentioned Barry Bonds came to the club. He ended up with 46 home runs, yeah. won the MVP, won every award that year, basically. Right. So like, was it, what was it like? at the end of the season because like you guys missed the playoffs by one game right. to the Braves so like what what was that what was that like going down the stretch in the dog days of summer like yeah just it was a pretty amazing season. season yeah first of all I'll go back a little bit first getting Barry in 92 yeah I remember where I was I, mean, I was watching college basketball and all of a sudden it popped up on CBS that uh the Giants have acquired Barry Bonds yeah it was in the winter or right before yeah. spring Giants have acquired Barry Bonds, record six years, 42 million or something like that. And I mean, just, I was so jacked. Yeah. I mean, what a great player he is, you know. And I remember going to spring training and him playing left field. And it was just amazing how good he was in left field. I mean, our defense was already good. And then to have him in left field was just unbelievable. But anyway, so that gave us a really a legitimate shot, you know. Yeah. And then 93 comes along, Roger Craig steps down, Dusty Baker, who was the hitting coach who was like a big help for me. Yeah. Dusty would sit next to me as a hitting coach. I learned so much from him. He would talk to me about the hitters on the other team before I pitch against him. You know, hey, this is how you want to attack this guy. This is how you want to So we were really good friends. And he was really helpful. So he becomes our manager. Everybody loved him. I mean, everything was just in place, you know. And so we have like a 10-game lead at the All-Star break, I think, over yeah. the Braves. Yeah. And – uh so we have the all-star game. I make the all-star team. I think I was 11 and two at the break. And uh, then the Braves pick up Fred McGriff. There's a fire like in the, in the stadium. And they said that was like the symbolism of their catching on fire. You know, oh, I, think wow. the, I think the Braves went like 50 and 10 in the second half or something crazy. It was stupid. That's ridiculous. So they caught us and took like a three and a half game lead on us. A lot of people don't realize that. And they'll say, like, the Giants choked. I mean, we won 103 games, right? So yeah. Anyway, you, you, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of that. But, I mean, you did hear that every once in a while. But, yeah. but we actually were down three and a half. I mean, you, you know, we, we could easily could have, you know, shifted them. We were never going to do that. But So, we were down three and a half games. We came all the way back and tied it with four games left. The Braves played the Rockies at Atlanta. And we had the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, it's a rough so spot. Swifty and I are, you know, we pitch on schedule. We win the first three games in Dodger Stadium. The Braves beat the Rockies the first three games. So we're still tied. 103, 103 wins apiece. The Braves had beaten the Rockies every single game that year. That yeah. never happened in Major League Baseball history. They were like, they were like 13-0 and 0 going into the last game of the year. 
So we had a young kid, Solomon Torres was on our team. Our starting rotation was in shambles. It was Swifty and I, and then we had like 15 other guys start for us. That's crazy. So we had Scott Sanderson, Jim Deshays, I mean, a lot of old names we brought in. I mean, it was just trying to fill those holes, you know. And this kid, uh, Solomon Torres, was very talented. It was between him and Scott Sanderson to pitch the last game of the year. And it was a big decision. You know, Dusty had to make this decision and probably still critiqued over it today. But uh, I honestly, at the time, I was like, I would pick Solomon Torres, you know, because yeah. you have to go through that yourself, you know. You can't criticize your manager unless you – go through it yourself. You know, and he asked exactly. us, yeah. us, he was like, what would you do? What would you do? You know, it was a big decision for him. So we go with the young kid and you know, he didn't handle it very well. I mean, it, it was a blow out. We got blown out, but, and that could have happened with Scott Sanderson too. You know, yeah. we don't know. But Scott Sanderson was basically a five inning pitcher at the time. Although I did learn my lesson. I never became a manager, but I thought if I'm ever a manager, I'd all, I'll always go with the experience. Yeah. You know, and if he lasts three innings, he lasts three innings, but at least I got a guy that, I know he's not going to get too worked up out there. You know, he's going to know what he's doing and be fine with it. Yeah. So anyway, the Braves win and they win 104 games. We win 103. So that'll probably be the last time you see a team win 100 games and not make the playoffs because. Yeah, exactly. Back, That's back just then, so crazy. There was no wild card. Yeah, it was just what, two teams from each league? I won. Yeah, right, right. So you won the. No, there was three. There was three divisions. Oh, there was? Yeah, we had uh, National League East, National League West, National League Central. Right? Yeah, but oh, maybe it was, yeah, but maybe playoffs. It was huh? Playoffs was just two teams from the league. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so it was yeah. just National League East, National League West. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because National League we were in the National League West and the Braves were in our division. <laughs> Which is kind of funny, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Cincinnati Reds were in our division. That's that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. The National League East was the Pirates and the Mets and the uh Marlins, because the Marlins came in. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was the old. Yeah, no, was nobody the old knew division, anything about geography I, back then, I guess. You're right. Yeah, there was only two <laughs> divisions. So so that's why we were out. There was yeah. no wild card or anything. So then in 94, they came in with the wild card and changed the whole playoff format and everything. So Yeah. So back to your accomplishments, obviously leading, leading the league in wins in 93. Do you think you got robbed for the Cy Young by Greg Maddox? I don't. I mean, you know, it, it's such a hard thing to win. Yeah. You know, I had I had two games. You know, Maddox is just so consistent. And uh, obviously a better pitcher than me. I mean, you know, he's, he's going to win it over me, you know, for, if we're the same, right? Of course. Yeah. But I had two, two games, one of them in Pittsburgh when it rained. Again, I'm a sinker ball guy. Mm-hmm. It rained all day in Pittsburgh. I pitched that night. The field was like still wet, damp. I mean, the ball just skipping through the infield. I mean, I just gave up ground ball after ground ball, ground ball hit after ground ball hit. I gave up like eight runs in an inning and two thirds. Yeah. It was my worst game in Pittsburgh. So that killed me, you know. So my ERA had to be like three six. But I had two games that game and another game. I think New York, I think Shea Stadium, I gave up like six, six in like three innings. So I gave up 14 runs in like a five inning window of my season, you know. So yeah. without those two games, which you can't get rid of, without those two <laughs> games, I have a sub three ERA, 22 and seven. I got a better chance of winning it. But those two games pretty much cost me. And I don't think yeah. I got robbed, no. Okay. I, mean, I was actually fourth, you know. Yeah, that's what – yeah, I, I actually yeah. – I had a buddy at work. I told him I was interviewing you. He's like, oh, yeah, you came in fourth in the Cy Young yeah. 93. Yeah, so and yeah, those guys all had better ERAs. I just explained to you, you know, my excuse. Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, that those guys all had better ERAs, and we all had basically the same record. You know, I think Maddox yeah. was 20, 20 and ten or something, and Glavin had the same amount of wins I had. He was, I think, he was twenty two and eight. Swift, yeah. he was twenty one and eight. So uh, yeah, we were all right there, wins and loss wise, and they just had better ERAs. They were more consistent through the season. Never had a bad game. Swifty was amazing. Yeah, Billy Swift was amazing. I mean, I never saw anybody give up so many ground balls. I mean, just easy. He could have had. There was games. I'm telling you right now. There's games right now. He could have had four pitchers playing the infield. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just game. He had games where they would just be, yeah, you know, routine two and three hoppers to the infielders for the whole game. That's he had awesome. Like 22 ground ball outs. You know. I mean, it was just. That's crazy. But he had an amazing season. Our bullpen was phenomenal. Probably the best bullpen I've ever had. Rod Beck was our closer. Mike Jackson was our setup man. Jeff Brantley was in the bullpen. Dave Berber was in the bullpen. They all ended up leaving and being closers somewhere else. Yeah. Our middle relievers ended up being closers or starters elsewhere. Like like the year or two later, you know, whenever the Giants didn't want to pay him anymore. Yeah. But so we had, little... yeah, we had a phenomenal team and uh 103 wins says it all. You know, we just just Picked the wrong yeah, exactly. to win 103. So to go back, you said just a little aside. Going back to Pittsburgh and pitching, what what's that experience like? To go back to your hometown, it was very hectic, but you know, totally a dream come true. I mean, you know, we all we've all driven through the you know four four pit tunnels and looked over. I mean, I remember as a kid looking over at Three River Stadium and just you know wanting to have a day where I pitch in that stadium. You know, and I got to experience that. You That's know, awesome. It was it was an amazing feeling to have my whole family there to watch and uh, so I'll give you a story a little background story so uh, players get free tickets but people yeah. think it's unlimited right it's not <laughs> we get we get six tickets per player but you can ask other guys for their tickets yeah so uh, even though I told some people no, and there was friends that I just, yeah, you know, I was, I was just so stressed out, you know, I, I overlooked them. And, uh, but I ended up having 145 tickets that night. And fortunately, fortunately, I was the only person from Pittsburgh on our team and there wasn't a whole lot of action. And, you know, they didn't have like friends and stuff in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So I actually took the pass list home. The traffic secretary was like, Hey, just take the pass list with you. He goes, and we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. And so I was able to get 140 tickets, you know, free tickets to, to the games wow. <laughs> the game that I pitched. That was pretty special, you know, and I yeah. won. I won my first first game there and and uh, to have my parents there and my, you know, my whole family, yeah. and, you know, my cousins and I mean, everybody, everybody that my whole family lives there, lived there at the time. So they were all able to come and, you know, my friends and everything. So. It was it was really amazing to be able to stand out there on that mound and, and pitch and, and to win on top of it. I pitched really well and I think mean, I went seven innings and gave up two runs or something. Yeah. So it was always special to come back there, but it very stressful. For sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, getting people tickets and then yeah, where they're sitting and people I had people complain about where they sat and uh, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you can't make uh, everybody happy. Right. Everybody's gonna have a problem. <laughs> right, right, right. And I probably, you know, took it a little too hard, you know, at times because I was so stressed and just trying to pitch well. And, you know, and I, of course, I wanted people to come and see me and everything. But, you know, it became like more of a job than anything else, you know, getting tickets for everybody and everything else. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, a little difficult, but still, the experience was amazing. And pitching in the new stadium was pretty cool, too. I think I almost, I almost threw a no-hitter one night in the first night I pitched there. Oh, really? 
I think I went seven no hit or something like that. And then Vanderwall took me up on the up on the logo, the center field, the grass, yeah. the grassy knoll. That's and crazy. He hit a home so, run like at the top of the eighth or something. Yeah. Or bottom of the eighth. Let's jump to um your time with the Rangers. Obviously, okay. I mentioned in the intro, you had the first postseason win, and it was the first complete game in divisional series history. Right. What what was that experience like? Was that another team that you thought could do it, or were, did you have your doubts? No, absolutely. We had a really good team also. Uh, you know, I uh, – I, uh, that was a pretty cool experience too. I was with the Marlins, and we were 18 games out of first place. And I come into the clubhouse one day, and uh, we had one-year-old twins and like a three-month-old. Yeah. You know, one year you know, we had like thirteen month old twins and like a nine month nine month old or something like that at the time. And I remember coming in on Wednesday at the clubhouse in Florida and they said, Hey, you've been traded to the Marlin to the uh Texas Rangers and they need you to pitch they need you to pitch on Friday in in Toronto. So I had to tell, <laughs> I had to tell my wife, Hey honey, I just got traded, pack them up and you know, take them to Texas. Yeah. Now so what's that's that the wives, that's where the wives come in, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, what's wife. that experience like being traded, moving around? Yeah, it was. It's tough, man. You know, you're. You're. I mean, especially on the wife. You know. Yeah. It's hard to keep a marriage together and everything. Whenever you know, they have they have a really difficult job too. So, I mean, I was able to just leave and go pitch in Toronto, which is stressful enough. But so I ended up throwing like a six hit shutout my first game in Toronto, one of the best games I ever pitched, and uh, so I fit right in right away and pitched really well down the stretch. And then I got to pitch game one of the division series at Yankee Stadium. Yeah which I'd never pitched there before, you know, I went in the American league ever before. So, uh, we didn't have interleague at the time. And, uh, so I made sure I showed up early so I could see all the monuments and everything in left field and, you know, checked all that stuff out. Cause I'm a bit of a baseball historian. I, I grew up as a kid watching the pirates and loved, loved, uh, baseball in the, you know, sixties and seventies and eighties. But, uh, and then I went out to warm up and, all hell broke loose. I mean, people were throwing hot dogs at you. And, I mean, New York. I don't love those New Yorkers. Oh, man. They're crazy. <laughs> I mean, just yelling at me and you're going to get shelled. And, yeah, I mean, just you got to really stay focused. But I had a tough first inning. And I remember Dean Palmer at third baseman made a great play to get us out of the inning. I think I had first and third nobody out. And he made a great diving play down the line. And, uh, and I ended up giving up one run in the first inning and then uh, Juan Gonzalez hit two home runs and we ended up winning six to two, I believe, uh, through a complete game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Like you said, first division series win. The Rangers were in Washington. They were they were the Washington Senators. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Washington Senators. Yeah, they were the Senators, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they'd never been to playoffs ever. So, 25 years. So, it was pretty cool to be able to do that. Yeah, that's crazy. It was, a, it was, it was funny because it was just – People were talking about it here, you know. Are they ever going to make the playoffs, you know? The playoffs were a lot harder to make back then. Yeah. And uh, we made it, and then we won our first game. And then game two, we lost in 11 innings. And then game three, we had like a 2 nothing lead in the ninth, and we lost. So we ended up losing nine straight playoff games to the Yankees. I never saw them out again. I was supposed to pitch game four the next year and game four the following year, and I never saw them out because we got swept. Wow. Both times, but. Yankees were the thorn in my side the whole my whole career. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, the la my last year, my last year we were down three games to two. I was with the Red Sox. Yeah. Two thousand three, I pitched game six. 
I didn't pitch very well. Me and Andy Pettit, we we kind of grinded and didn't really pitch that well. And uh, but we won, forced a game seven. And uh, in the game seven, people might remember was the Aaron Boone 11th inning home run. That was the last game that I was on in the dugout. Yeah. So five two lead. Pedro Martinez on the mound. Bottom of the eighth inning. And I'm supposed to pitch game four of the World Series. I'm like, I got a pretty good chance of this happening. You know? Yeah. With Pedro on the mound. He was you know, just unhittable. They got a couple of doinkers, a couple of bloopers, and yeah, they end up tying it without making a long keeping a long story short. They tied the game and uh and went extra innings and then Aaron Boone hit the home run off Wakefield to win. Yeah. Now let's let's uh, roll it back a little bit. Okay, you're playing for the Braves. I, I I read this on Wikipedia, so I don't I take Wikipedia with a grain of salt. So I don't know if it's true, but they said that your nickname when you were with the Braves was Sheets. Yeah, because you would you'd make the polls and the betting. Right. What, what were you guys betting on? Okay, so we did. Uh, what I did was I did NFL football. I did every, I did everything. I did okay. the college. I did the college. I did March Madness. I did. I was always the organizer of all that stuff. I just loved doing that stuff. And uh, so I, instead of me having to go around and chase everybody, you know, and give them their sheets and all that, I would just yell sheets whenever I walked in the door. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. where the so the clubhouse kids in Atlanta they started calling me sheets because yeah, yeah. You know, whenever <laughs> I, I'd walk in and I'd have them all printed up and everything, and I'd just yell sheets, and everybody'd walk up and you know get their stuff, pass them out. <laughs> that's awesome. They'd fill them out and give them to me and give me their money. But I did a, uh, I did everything. But I remember that I did. I remember NFL. We did a, you know, pick them where you pick each game and put a put a point value on each game. Yeah. Yeah. Fifteen on your most confident, one on your least confident. Yeah. Yeah. So I do that. But like I said, we, I did, I did March Madness. I did uh, anything, any, anything that was going on. We did horse races. Yeah, Belmont and the yeah. Creeks and the, yeah, whenever their big horse races happen, we'd always we'd always uh, get a pole together. So we always had it kept things fun. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, well, in fact, in fact, when I pitched in Pittsburgh my rookie year, I'll never forget it. They ran a pole out. You know, I was a rookie, so I wasn't doing anything. But uh, I remember they did the uh, auto. They did the Daytona 500 or whatever was being raced. The race that was going on. And I'd never done anything like that before. I was like, oh, I'll put a hundred bucks in, you know? Yeah. And Ari Leindyke, Ari Leindyke was a, was a rookie and I picked him out of the hat and he won. So I won like $1,200. <laughs> and from there on out, you were hooked. <laughs> oh man, it was great. Yeah. So, that, so then whatever, the, the guy that ran, the, the old guy that ran the polls for the Giants, whatever he was done, then I, I picked it up. You know, I yeah. just did all the teams that I went to, if they didn't have somebody, I did it. That's awesome. So. I ran one of the biggest fantasy football leagues too. Was when yeah. I, was I had like 95 guys in a, uh, in a, uh, we paid a thousand dollars a guy and I had, I had up to 95 guys playing it. And it was a uh, salary cap. It was like DraftKings before DraftKings. Oh really? Yeah. So there was designated prices for each player and you could pick the same players, you know? Yeah. 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 So what you're saying is but DraftKings nobody ever had the same players. What's that? What you're saying is DraftKings owes you money. Yeah, right, right. It, was, it, wasn't, my, it wasn't my idea. We used the software. It was called oh, okay. Fire Company. Yeah, we actually used a, a software on the internet. Okay. <laughs> I think it was called Fire League. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I don't even think it exists anymore, but uh, and DraftKings took it over, took over that idea, the whole idea. That's kind of, it's, it worked exactly the same way. It was 11 yeah. positions, everything. Yeah, two quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, a tight, a tight end, a defense, and a kicker. Nice. But, uh, yeah, and that's, that's kind of the standard now. Out, out runs. But to me, those are the most fun. Yeah. So back to the baseball. Uh, in 2003, yeah. obviously, we just talked about it. Um, when did you know, like, that was – this is going to be it? I knew probably halfway through the season. Yeah. Uh, my kids were getting, I had three kids at the time and they were nine and eight, I believe. Yeah. No, 10 and nine or nine and eight. Yeah. Two nines and an eight. That's what it was. And I, yeah. I felt like I was missing their life, you know, and I, and I felt like I was going to have enough money at that point. Uh, you know, I, I just spent two years in Boston and we lived in Texas. Yeah. I, it was pretty hectic, you know, like when I had an off day, I would come home. And my wife was in Boston, whenever we had home stands and stuff, but I didn't expect her to sit there, you know, while I was yeah. on the road for two weeks, you know, in, in Boston. So she would come home with the kids and, it, you know, it's, people don't really think about that part of it. It's, it's a, it's a big, uh, now that, that sacrifice makes me think. your family makes, you know, you're gone a lot. You're gone eight months out of the year. Now that makes me think about, have you ever seen the movie uh, for the love of the game with Kevin Costner? Yeah, it's good. Would you relate your life to that in a way? Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember the whole the whole movie and how it was, but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not a. I don't like, like watch movies over and over again. Yeah, I'll have to go check that out again. But yeah, it was but, basically uh, just like how he dealt with his off field life. Okay. While he was yeah, I have to watch that again. But, yeah, uh, like, yeah, it's, you... it's, it's 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 pretty difficult, you know, especially for the for the spouse, you know, with with little kids, you know. I mean, she basically raised our kids, you know, and yeah. I'm gone, you know, all that time. But anyway, so that's kind of where 2003 kind of, you know, it was the end of my contract. I made really good money with the Red Sox. Uh, I was 38, and I could see that I – August and September was getting more difficult for me. Yeah. Uh, September of – August and September of 2003, I was atrocious. I mean, I, I probably had a 70 ERA or something. So, uh, yeah, I was losing it. My fastball was down 81, 82. Uh, I was able to trick people, you know, here and there, but the consistency just wasn't there. So it all came together where, you know, I knew that was pretty much it. And then Theo Epstein called me, which GMs never do. Theo is super cool. Yeah. He and I, he was a young kid, you know, whenever he took over as GM and I, you know, so we'd be in the bar and have a couple of drinks, you know, together and he bounced ideas off of us. You know, I got to know him really well and we became like pretty good friends. And uh, he called me a couple of weeks after the season, maybe a week, and said, we're not going to keep you. You know, we're going to go to a different direction. So, uh, now, Was that, actually, a, was that like a nice phone call or was it like a business phone call? Because you said you're friends. So, like, how did that he was being he was being cool, you know? I mean, yeah. GM would never do that. They would just, like, they'll okay. let you know what they feel like letting you know, you know? Whatever gotcha. The contracts are, yeah, you'd figure it out in December. But, uh, but yeah, Theo called me and said, hey, we're going to go in a different direction you know, just wanted to let you know. And I was like, I appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, so I decided to just retire. I told my agent I wasn't interested in playing for anybody else. You know, yeah. if it was Boston. I would probably, I might've done it one more year, but uh, I wasn't going to play anywhere else. And then I'm on a ski lift. We literally started skiing that winter. My family took up skiing and we were having a blast and skiing. And I was on the ski lift and my agent was like, hey, the Yankees called. It was like middle of spring training. They've had injuries and they want, they need a fifth starter. 
I said, no, they kept up in their offer. I said, no, they upped their offer again. I said, no. And so that was the end of it. Yeah. 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 I said, no, it doesn't matter what the money is. I'm just not going to do it. Now what's going back to Kenny, Kenny Wallace, what's the yeah. infatuation with Boston? Cause I know he's a Boston guy. I remember growing up, Creston, his son was a Boston guy. Like, I don't know why they took on, they took, <laughs> they, they took on, up on the Boston. I mean, I know he, I had an apartment right there on Boylston Street, actually, where the bombing was. I mean, right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah actually, one of the one of the uh, 911 calls, I remember, from the bombing. I remember someone saying, yeah, we need, you know, an ambulance at 755 Boylston Street. That's where I live. That was wow. my address. Yeah, That's I lived crazy. above Starbucks Coffee. And uh, it's funny because I remember Hank Aaron, 755, right? That's why. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. But, uh so anyway, Kenny, I was on the road and Bruce Springsteen is his favorite yeah. <laughs> musician. He probably told you the story. Yeah. So he, he, uh, Springsteen was coming to Fenway park and I told him, I'm like, dude, you gotta, you gotta come here. I would, I wish I was going to be here, but I said, I got an apartment. You know, you got, you need to get somebody hook up, hook up with somebody and you can use my apartment and go, go to Springsteen at Fenway. Yeah. And so he did that. Yeah. No, like growing up since like, I didn't know you growing up. But like I yeah. knew Creston and Kenny knew you, right? And I knew that you played for the Red Sox, so I figured maybe that's where that came from was his connect right. their connection with Boston. So I just I wanted to clarify that for my own sake. Well, I definitely think that's <laughs> that's where it came from. You know, yeah. I think he enjoyed that experience, the Springsteen thing, and then yeah, and and the Red Sox, we were good. You know, we yeah. we were a good team, so we had, I guess we were fun to watch. We had you know Big Poppy and Pedro and. Millar and Veritek and Garcia Parra. I mean, we had a, we had a pretty pretty good team, and then he won the World Series the next year, of course. But yeah, that was the one bummer for me is I you know I never played in the World Series. I just missed it like four. I missed World Series champions by one year like three times. Yeah, I, I got traded by the Marlins to the uh, Rangers, which I was elated about. I told you I was eighteen games back. Got traded. We were one game back. The yeah. Rangers. I gained seventeen games in the standings in one day, right? Just by getting yeah. traded. The next year, the Marlins won the World Series. It's like, shit. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> like, then the Braves, I think I came to the Braves. Eh, nah, they weren't They weren't in the World Series. But the Giants, the Giants, I come up in 90. They played against the A's in 89, the Earthquake Series. Yeah. But I come up at 90, so I missed that by year. And then the Red Sox, of course. I you know, finished my career in 03, and then they went at, like, three of the next five years or something. Yeah. So, so you finish your career in 03, and then in 04 – you get a prestigious honor in Beaver, Pennsylvania. You got the first number one jersey that was awarded to people who basically just represent our community well in our prof in professionalism and everything. What was that experience like coming back to your hometown, being awarded that? Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, Mr. Snicker, I think, probably got that thing going. And, and, yeah. uh, and like I said earlier, I mean, he, you know, without him, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I'm at now, and I wouldn't have had a career that I did. I mean, because he stepped it up and came to the Bowling Center that day, and you know, told me, they basically worked it out. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I loved Beaver, and you know, being a Beaver Bobcat, Bobcat, I was very proud of that, and you know, and uh, being on basically the first baseball team to go, you know, that far in the playoffs, and then to get that honor, you know, to get the jersey, basically retired. Yeah. It was really cool. We had a memorable dinner and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, friends and family are there and yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. So now before we get, 
What was that? Something I always cherish, you know, just uh, being that. I didn't know they've, they've had uh, more after that, huh? I didn't, I didn't even yeah, realize. Yeah, so I was reading it today, actually, and you were the first. Okay. But then there was, there was like a four or five year period where they didn't have anybody. Right. But then from there on out, they've had somebody every year. Okay. Yeah. So most of these. Where can I see that online? Uh, let me. I had it I'll up. Check that out. So it's on beaverlifemag.com. So you were the first, John Burkett. Okay. And then the next one was in 2007. It was Pat Tarquinio, obviously oh. the, uh, the great football coach in Beaver. Right. And then John Scorpion. Scorpion. John Scorpion. Played with the Bills. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, Sig Brock. I don't know if you know Sig Brock. No. He was a soccer coach at Beaver. He basically built our soccer program, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's actually, you know how it's, it's Pat Torquinio field, but whenever you play soccer, they put up a banner and says Sig Brock pitch. Oh, okay. So it's kind of dual named now. Right. Right. But yeah. And then, uh, well, so, the, so the soccer program started obviously after I left yeah. Beaver school, it must've been the nineties or something. Yeah. And then he built a great program there, huh? The soccer yep. program. Yeah. And then, um, Snicker, Ed Snicker in 2013. He was awarded the number one jersey. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah, something. Snicker's a special guy. You know, he, he was there forever, you know, and, and yeah. uh, very knowledgeable coach and also a role model, you know. I mean, always, you know, he's just always been in great physical condition. You know, he takes pride yeah. in his job and his work, and you know, I think he rubbed off on people, you know. Yeah, no, it was it was really cool because like he he was coaching whenever my brother was playing in high school, and then whenever I came up, he took more just like the, um, he didn't really coach, but he was more of just like he was around to help out, you know. Right. So it was really cool to just be able to listen to his knowledge, his stories, and everything. Right. So before yeah, we get into he was football and baseball. Yeah. I don't know if he helped out in basketball at all or not. I don't think so. I think he, I think he might have. Did he? Okay. But that's something I'm not 100% sure on. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. before we move he was on. He jack of all trades for sure. He was very knowledgeable about, you know, several sports. So. Yeah. Before we move on to your bowling career. Yeah. You had mentioned when we were texting, you mentioned that you got into poker. You were actually in the World, World Poker Tour. How did that start up? Okay, so whenever I retired from baseball, you know, I needed something to be competitive in. And, yeah, bowling was there. But uh, I kind of just fell into poker watching the Chris Moneymaker, which you probably don't remember. Nope. <laughs> Anybody that plays poker knows the Chris Moneymaker factor. So this guy named Chris Moneymaker, great name for it, right? Yeah. He, got, he got into the World Series main event, which is a $10,000 buy-in. But the way that a lot of people got in – was whenever there was when online gaming was was legal you could get in by satellites and he got in on a $40 satellite so $40 $40 has got to be 250 players right to build $10,000 yeah. so they had a 250 player satellite paying $40 a piece he won that satellite to get into the world series of poker man event wow he goes to vegas goes to vegas wins the world series of poker man event for like two and a half million dollars and I remember in 03, it would be on ESPN all the time. That same show. It was on yeah. all the time. You'd see poker, and it would be Chris Moneymaker, and then winning the World Series. 
and I just started getting interested in it, watching it. And I love the math and I love the, you know, the whole table stuff where you're trying to pick up guys tells and all. I just had an interest in that. And I thought after I retired, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take this game on and, you know, study it and try to play. And, uh, and I just got totally hooked on it. Yeah. From that time on. And I, I went to the world series of poker, played the main event once made it to day three, but you have to go day four to, to cash. Yeah. I played the senior event when I turned 50 and I ended up like 220th out of like 4,800. Uh, I think I have a best finish in the world series of poker circuit events, which is regional events. I think I finished third in a horse event was my best finish in that. I finished top 10 several times. I've never won a, never won one though. I've yeah. won some casino casino tournaments, you know, run tournaments, but I've never won a big uh, a big score. Gotcha. So now during COVID nineteen, I got this broken wrist. I can't do anything, so I've gotten into poker again. But yeah. I, anyway, going back, I played poker for about ten years. All these tournaments, all you know, a bunch of cash games, blah blah blah, and then. I turned 49 and I decided to get serious about bowling again. I bowled my whole life. I've always wanted to bowl with all the guys that, you know, Pete Weber and uh, Norm Duke and Walter Ray Williams Jr. And so when I turned 49, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start getting ready for the senior tour and got refitted, got some people that were real knowledgeable here, worked on my game, you know, tweaked it a little bit here and there to try to get, try to get me to be more consistent. And when I turned 50, I went on the senior tour. Yeah. Finally won my first PBA title last year. So I actually have a win. And uh, here's the trophy. Oh, there we go. We love seeing hardware on this show. Yeah. That's awesome. Emerald, Emerald Bowl, the Houston Challenge. So, uh, so then I got away from poker, you know, because I dedicated yeah. all my time. You know, whenever I went on, like, you know, whenever I played poker, I'd go to Vegas for a week. You know, yeah. play poker for a week and you know, play tournaments and stuff. And then, so now that I took up bowling, I got away from poker because I'm not going to leave house, the house all the time. You know, I can't just, I can't leave mama here all the time, you know, so yeah. I pick and choose what, what I do. So, so then bowling took up all my time and I got away from poker. But now that COVID-19 hit, there's nothing to do. I broke my wrist. I can't bowl. Now I'm taking up poker again and it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. I've been, I've been doing pretty well. I was going to say, poker's only fun when you make money, so I assume right. that's what you're doing. <laughs> right. So uh, I played till 2 in the morning last night. But, yeah. uh, and it's cool because I have buddies that I played home games here in Fort Worth whenever I was into poker a lot. Yeah. We had home games. We have a nice group of guys. And they, they asked me, and I say, no, 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 I'm not, I don't play anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then whenever COVID-19 hit, they were like, hey, we're playing online. So you don't have to come over to the house. You don't have to drink. You don't have to do any of that stuff. But just go out, come online with us, man. It's fun. We can put, you know. So I've been whacking them for <laughs> the last two and a half months. I've been beating them up. There you go. I think they're sorry they invited me. <laughs> but, I, but I got back into studying and and uh, working on my game. But the thing about the thing about the thing about poker was back in the early two thousands, you were allowed to play online. Yeah. And the DOJ stopped it, but. But the thing about playing online is you can play a lot of hands quickly. Yeah. You can actually multi-table, you know. I mean, I, I used to play five, six tables at a time. And so you're getting a lot of hands in, a lot of experience, right? 
Yeah. Well, now, if you run into young kids back then, they were always wizards because they played, they'd play like 30, 40 tables. There was guys that did that. So if there was a young kid at my live table, if I went to Vegas, I had to be careful of that kid because I'm like, he's probably been playing a lot of hands online. Yeah. You know, blah, blah. But now that's not the case. No. Now, now it's illegal to play online. So you don't have you don't have those kids with seeing thousands of thousands of thousands of hand. So now whenever I see a kid, I think he's probably kind of weak. Yeah. Know? I know I'm pretty weak on the table. <laughs> yeah. But he, like I said, it used to be if I saw a young kid, I was worried about him because I figured he's been playing online and you know, getting seen a bunch yeah, of hands. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. So um So anyway, we'll... that was a lot of fun during those years and then I got back into bowling and that's where I'm at now. I'm I'm still trying to win a national senior tour event this is a regional win. yeah so i was looking online last night um i saw that you have you have 32 perfect games in your career in pba no not pba no that's, no there's sanction there's sanction but that's like bowling leagues oh, i have one okay. pba i have one pba 300 I, I bowled last year okay yeah that's the one that i watched i watched yeah that it's one. on youtube right yeah how uh how often does that happen? Because obviously you're pro bowlers, but how often right. does someone bowl a perfect game? Well, there's 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 pros there's pros that have over 100 PBA 300s, but they've wow. been bowling for 40 years on the tour, right? Yeah. Or it used to be it used to be there was 36 weeks a year on tour, you know, and they they bowl 50 games a week. Yeah. So that's a lot of chances to shoot 300, right? Still impressive to throw have over 100 in your career, but for someone like me, you know, the senior tour we only have. 13 or 14 tournaments a year and we bowl eight ga or 16 games a tournament 16 to 30 depends on the format but gotcha. but yeah it was fun i came close so many times and then i finally was able to get it done last year so that was pretty cool now another thing just I, this just popped into my head i remember like growing up you'd watch i'd watch espn like nfl sunday or whatever then it would go off and you'd have to change the channel to like cbs or fox or whatever but if you stayed on ESPN, it'd be the PBA events. Right. Were you ever caught between like, oh, I want to watch the Steelers, but I want to watch PBA too? Well, fortunately, we have TiVo, right? So There you go. <laughs> yeah, the invention of TiVo. I was always a big VCR guy, and I mean, I never missed a bowling show. So yeah, I would always record them. That was one of the things when I went to the it's Meyer fun. Leagues. When I went to the Meyer Leagues, a VCR was one of my number one things that had to be in the car when I left home. <laughs> Two That's bowling awesome. balls and a VCR I had to have – I had to take with me. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I saw your Twitter bio, and it, it says in there, never missed a PBA event. Right, right. So I had to ask about that. Yeah. <laughs> and my Twitter bio also says that I'm the 23,642nd Twitter person or something. That's BS. Yeah, yeah. I just put that in there for yeah, to be <laughs> stupid. That's funny. So now we're, we were talking about COVID. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the MLB recently and yeah. protocols and everything. What are, what's your thoughts on what's going on there? Man, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's just, yep. you know, people see them on the field. People see them on the field and uh, they think that it's doable, right? But the problem is the clubhouse and the dugout. You know, it looks like they're keeping them out. I don't know what they're doing with the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, we all take showers together. We all exactly. eat together. We're, you know, it's all – clubhouses aren't large i mean some of the new stadiums are nice and spacious but like fenway park for instance i mean it's tiny yeah even the home clubhouse it's small so uh i don't know how they're keeping guys apart 
Yeah, like so with the MLB. I'd be thinking about something I don't know, but I mean, I can't imagine how they can do it, right? I, I just can't imagine guys not getting sick, you know? Now with the MLB, like they don't, they're not doing like hard knocks or anything, but obviously football is. You have hard knocks and they're, they do their vlogs or whatever. So we're getting a look into what the NFL is doing for COVID. Do you think the NFL is going to last doing an MLB type of play with it where they're still traveling? Or do you think they should try and look into a bubble situation? Well, it looks like the NBA has you know, done the right thing, right? Yeah. Football is such a – I mean, when you talk about the NBA, I don't know, what are there, 11 guys on a roster? Exactly. I think that's the problem they run into. Yeah, right. I mean, with football, you have you have 53, and I, I think they're going to expand it, right? Yeah. So, uh, you have 50, let's just call it 53. You have 53 guys sweating and, you know, talking and, you know, in a clubhouse. Again, they're in they're in the football stadiums. They're, they're, I guess they're – I guess they're uh, they're their own stadiums now, so I don't know how big their their locker rooms are, but but they used our locker rooms before, and I know how small they are. I yeah. can't imagine fifty. They're small enough for twenty five guys. I can't imagine fifty three. You know, twice as many. Yeah. So uh, I can't imagine it working. Uh, to me, it's just going to be about tolerance. I mean, are you okay with ten guys getting COVID? If you go okay with one guy dying, you okay with two guys dying. You, you know I mean, it's it's all about tolerance at exactly. this point. I don't think you're going to keep people from getting it. Nope. You know, I mean, I'm I'm kind of on both sides of this thing. I mean, I'm kind of in between on this thing. Uh, people get sick, right? But wear a mask. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's hard, right? Exactly. Wear a damn mask. <laughs> it's not hard at all. Yeah, wear a mask. We should have been wearing a mask for five months now, right? Yeah. But. But but I, but I also understand, you know, again, I think it's about tolerance, right? Are we going to get sick? Yes. This thing is very contagious, obviously. It's getting spread around. We're going to get it. So wear a mask, wash your hands, do the best you can to not spread it. But I don't think there's any way of, you know, eliminating it. Exactly. You can't really prevent what's inevitably, inevitably going to happen. Right. Baseball players are going to get it. Football yeah. players are going to get it. I mean, it's just – there's just no way to stop it. I mean, it's going to happen. It's just yep. a matter of what are you willing to tolerate? Is it okay if a 350 pound lineman with diabetes, pre-diabetes, you know, or respiratory complications, if he gets COVID-19 and dies, is that, are we okay with that? We just chalk it up to one more death and it's, it's okay. Or, yeah, right. or is that going to cause us to shut things down? You know, I don't know. So now that, we got the COVID talk out of the way. Big topic. But let's talk about what I think, what I assume is your favorite topic is Steeler football. Yes. What do you think our season's going to look like this year? Obviously, we got probably the number one defense coming out of preseason. Right. And we got Big Ben coming back. What are your predictions for this season? I mean, I just hope that, – that, that's the one thing I hope happens. Yep. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> All I care about is that. That's what's going to keep me alive, man, yeah. if, if we don't have football. <laughs> and you know our window's closing here, you know. Yep. I mean, with Ben, you know, I think we got maybe two or three more years with him, and then we're going to be rebuilding. We saw how long it took to get a quarterback like him. I mean, going from Bradshaw to him, we we felt you know Neil O'Donnell was decent for a while, and Cordell was decent for a while, and yeah, but none of them got none of none of them got us over the top. But uh, so we may be in for a dry spell. So I'm excited about this year, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good team. Like you said, the defense is 
back to where it needs to be. You know, that was kind of our weak link. Yeah. It's a shame that, it's a shame that Antonio and, and Le'Veon Bell couldn't, you know, make things work here. I mean, it's just unbelievable to have – we had so much talent. It was just all set up, you know. I mean, now, just, wait, just, getting to the A.B. and Lev Bell topic, yeah. are you on the train of – like pretty much everybody in Pittsburgh is forgiven Le'Veon Bell because of the way he looked at it. But are you on that same train? Well, I'm pro player. Exactly. Know? That's why. So, yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm always on the player side. So I don't, I don't blame guys for, and this is what I tell my family. Like we'll be sitting at the beach, you know, and my in-laws and stuff, they'll be like, eh, yeah. when we went on strike and stuff, they were, yeah. I can tell they, for the most part, people side with the owners. I'm like, listen, the owners, most of the owners, they got their money given to them by their daddies. You know, yep. most of them do, right? They inherit the money, blah, blah, blah. The players are working. The play, I mean, 95% of everybody I played with was lower middle class growing up, you know, yeah. and they worked their way through hard work and, and now they're getting paid. So they deserve the money. So that's it. Le'Veon Bell was, I don't know who was giving him advice. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I knew it was a bad idea what he was doing. I mean, you can't give yeah. up 15 and a half million dollars. You're not going to make it up. Yeah. I mean, the only way he was going to make it up is to get $20 million a year, right? And we knew that wasn't going to happen. Nope. I mean, with the Jets – so then he goes to the Jets with a team that doesn't have a very good offensive line. I mean, he's obviously not going to be as, be as good. And he's going to take more of a beating. And he's going to never get that money back that he gave up. I don't know what the Steelers offered him. Have we ever heard, like, any concrete – the Steelers aren't like that. You know what I mean? They don't come out yeah, and no. somebody and tell him that. But I got to believe that they offered him probably sixty million for four years. Well, that no, that's what he wanted. Yeah. I thought that's what he wanted. He wanted sixty, and I think no, I think he wanted seventeen million a year or something like that. And they and his 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 uh, franchise tag was fifteen and a half. Yeah, I think you're right. But then right. he ended up getting whatever we offered him in New York. He got okay. So that's been said. He got he yeah. got exactly what the Steelers offered in New York. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just a bad decision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know who was giving him advice or if he just didn't listen to it, you know. Uh, either way, it was a bad move by him. Uh, you know, now he's he's paying the price, but he's below average guy, you know. I mean, he didn't even make the top 100. Yeah. I mean, he's all that's, the way out of I the think that's 100. the thing that he didn't – I mean, obviously, it was a, he says it's a business decision, but I think yeah. what he didn't understand was not every place has a good offensive line like the Steelers right. have. Right, exactly. And for the style of play he has – he needs a line that can hold a block for more than five seconds. Right. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a very patient guy. So, I mean, it was amazing to watch him. You know, they, they were, they were, although they never got on the field together, you know, Martavis is another one. I mean, yeah. what a talent, you know, I mean, just, we had him to stretch the field. We had Antonio to, you know, run the unbelievable routes and, you know, catch everything that was thrown near him. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Antonio, I got to believe he's got, He's got some – I mean, I hope it's yeah, – it's like he's got that CTE or something. I don't know what – Hey, ever since that uh, Vontez Perfect hit. Yeah. I, mean, I actually – You hate to tie it to one hit and think that that's what it was, but, yeah. I mean, maybe it was. I don't know. You know, it, I actually just, just bought a card, if I can find it. I, I, I collect baseball and football cards. Oh, okay. And I found a card, and I was like, I have to buy this. It's so funny. Where did it go? <laughs> But anyway, Antonio. Yeah. I mean, what a. I mean, what a waste. I mean, he. I mean, he basically blew forty million dollars, probably. You know. 
Yeah. Easily. So I bought where's that? I bought this card. Hilarious. Face to face. Antonio Brown and Vontez Perfect. The one dollar card. Oh wow. Like that's too funny. That's just like it is. That's great. Commemorating the end of both of their careers, yeah. basically. <laughs> but yeah, Antonio, I mean, what an amazing player. I, I you know, he and yeah. were just unbelievable. Some of the some of the the plays that they gave us, you know, for those couple of years. But but they couldn't even get on the field together, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I wonder how many games they I wonder how many games did Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben, and Martavis were on the field at the same time. I bet you it's less than five. I I'd believe you because I mean Lev was always hurt, right? Or suspended? Or suspended? Same with yeah. Martavis, right? It was crazy, but yeah. And our defense was a little suspect, but now, man, we got we got. Yeah, I mean, let's talk. Let's talk about that defense we got right now. Yeah, Mika was such a great pickup, right? I mean, yeah. Who do you think's going to be the like, guy? Be the number one pick for a Miami Dolphin guy, right? Yeah, right. Now, now I think we all understand that. Uh, we'll give. We'll take a. We'll take a bona fide. Pro Bowler for yeah. number one pick anytime, right? The guy yeah. that's already established and he's young. So, so who do you think is going to be the standout guy on this defense? Is it going to be Minka, or do you think it's going to be someone else? Well, we just have so many now, you know. Exactly. Watch, that's why it's hard to watch, pick. Watch, just amazing. <laughs> you know, I, I hope Bud has another good year. You know, yeah. Dupree, you know, we're going to find out if he was a one-hit wonder. You know, and I guess the Steelers kind of feel the same way because they're 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 not. Yeah, the problem we're going to have, that's why I think this year is so important. This is our year because yeah. the cap is just going to get messy. Yep. The cap number is going to stay the same or go down because of COVID. Yeah. And uh, salaries are going to have to come down for everybody to fit into the cap, you know. I mean, I hate yeah. that for the players. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be ugly. Uh, I think a lot of the middle guys, the middle guys are going to get cut out. You know, the superstars are going to get paid, probably not what they used to get paid, not what yeah. they think they're going to get paid. But, uh, but getting to the on-the-field stuff, yeah. I think Bud and and uh, T.J. Watt, and it's amazing. Our defense is really, really good, so it's going to be fun to watch. Now, moving over to the offensive side, who do you think is going to stand out there now that we have Ben back? Uh you know, you gotta you gotta believe that the uh, the receivers are gonna, you know, we're gonna see we're gonna see vast improvement, you know, from all those guys. Yeah. Just because they didn't have anybody to throw to them last year. I mean, nothing against those kids, but I mean, they're just they're not Ben. You know? Yeah. So we're gonna see <laughs> exactly. I think we're gonna see a lot more production out of the offense, and I love the fact that we're being underrated, right? And underestimated. Oh yeah. You gotta love that. Yeah, people are overlooking the Steelers big time because. We were eight and eight last year. But yeah. Eight and eight with two backups. With the team that we, yeah, we, we had our practice squad quarterback out there. So basically, you know, yeah. what, a, what a job they did. I mean, Tomlin, a lot of criticism he gets, but I mean, amazing job to be. I mean, we were eight and six, right? Eight and five or eight and six? Might have been eight and five at one point. Yeah. Yeah. No, we were, we were fighting yeah, we for were a playoff spot. Yeah. Right. A couple ball bounces, you know, I mean, the fumble, the fumble in the Ravens game by, uh, Juju, yeah, Juju. To answer your question, he's got to, he's got to see a big. I mean, he was hurt a little bit last year, you know. So and and then also didn't have the quarterbacks. It seems like he and Ben are like really on the same page. 
Yeah, for uh, sure. So I feel like he's probably going to bet. I, I think we'll see a big bounce back from him. All right. Well, before we get out of here, let's get your prediction on what, what do you think the Steelers' regular season record is going to be? 11 and 5. 11 and 5? Yeah. Okay. We'll take it. A lot of people are saying yeah. maybe 13 and 3. Well, 11 and 5 is good enough for me. I'll be happy yeah. with that. <laughs> All right. We'll take it. Yeah. I mean, right. well, you have the, well, you have, you have Brady's gone. So, yep. We, we, we play the Chiefs, right? I, I don't think we play the Chiefs. Chiefs. We don't? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I can't remember our schedule this year. We got the yeah, Raiders. No. We've got yeah, the Raiders. We got, yeah. And I know we play the NFC. Uh, we play the NFC, the NFC East, because I because I know the Steelers come here. Yeah. Hope, that's another thing is I hope we have fans. Well, that's hey, that's what Jerry Jones is saying. He's going to let yeah. people into his stadium. So. Because they come here once every eight years, and I go every time. Yeah. So I've been. I went to the old stadium. I've been to the new stadium. And uh, hoping to go this year. So I think it's like week seven or six or something like that. But, uh, but yeah, the Chiefs are going to be really tough. Uh, Lamar Jackson's amazing. Yeah. Last year I watched, I could talk about football all day. Last <laughs> year I watched, I mean, I have the Sunday ticket because I live in, I live in yeah. Texas. And so for me to watch the Steelers, I have to have the Sunday ticket. But I watched, last year I watched the Steelers games, obviously. I watched the Ravens. And I watch the Chiefs. Yeah. And I watch the Patriots all the time because I'm even though I hate Brady. I mean, I've got to respect them. <laughs> yeah. So I watch them too. You know, and whoever up and coming. But but I'm telling you, man, Lamar Jackson is just unbelievable. And they yeah. they talk about him like on the pregame shows and postgame shows a couple of times. And they said, Oh, he's taking you know, he's gonna get uh he's gonna be done quick because he takes big hits and stuff. I'm telling you, I watched him every week. He never took big hits. Yeah. He's unbelievable like one of the most unbelievable athletes I've ever seen. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Last night, I was talking to my girlfriend about the Steelers and how, like, this is probably the year. Yeah. She's like, you have to play Lamar Jackson twice a year. Yeah, right. That's why I so, say 11 five, because I don't know if we're going to be winning the division. Yeah, but I, I, I looked up the stats, Lamar's stats against the Steelers. He only played one game against us because the last game of the season was RG3. He watched it the other day. Yeah, he, he – watched that game the other day. They did a good job on him. Yeah, yeah he only had a, what, a 54 – QB rating. He threw three picks. Yeah. He got sacked five times. So he's right. not going to be able to run away from us. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Yeah. I watched that game was on uh, NFL Network the other day. Yeah. Because they were showing Lamar Jackson's MVP season. So they were showing all his games. And I watched the Steeler game. Yeah. They did a really good job on him. Yeah. We've, he, hey, he was a little flustered. He was, uh, he was throwing the ball too soon. And, you know, guys were, guys were picking him and stuff. Yeah. They'd throw Probably would have won that game if we had a quarterback. Well, I know there's a juju <laughs> fumble. Oh yeah, that's right. That was the juju fumble in overtime. Yeah. We uh crossing pattern. He caught it, took like a step, and then uh their defender punched the ball out and it and then uh Duck walked ran past it because it took like an odd bounce. Oh and Duck yeah. almost recovered it and it bounced away from him. Yeah, and then and then they they recovered. But we'd have been on the forty yard line going that way. Yeah. So we one more first down, we'd have kicked the field goal and we'd have won. Yeah. But uh Anyway, yeah, I'm jacked about this season. I just, I'm just scared it's not going to happen. Uh, right? Because I mean, like you said, we got the Ravens, you got the Chiefs. Yeah, but it seems we're, like we're really sports, the underdog this year. <laughs> it seems like sports are. It seems like sports are doing it, and like I said, it's about tolerance. Yep. And I think they're getting through. I think it's kind of losing its. Uh, oh, someone tested positive for COVID. We got to shut down the sport. 
Yeah, I think that I think the panic is kind of, you know, dying down a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, I, we're that, I think the tolerance levels increased a little bit where people are realizing, hey, guys are going to get it, right? Yeah. We're going to have to do the best job we can, but yeah, you know, guys are going to get it. Hopefully nobody dies from it. From exactly. That's, that's, that'll be the worst. Right. If someone dies, it'll be shut down. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah. So yeah, go Steelers. That's that's this is a, I'm telling you, man. We got a chance to win it all this year. So oh yeah, hey, I locked in. I'll be locked and loaded. I expect us to go to the AFC Championship game. That's my prediction for this year. We'll yeah. at least get there. I mean, you got Baltimore. You got. I mean, you got the uh, you got the Ravens and you got the Chiefs. I think we're right there. Titans were impressive last year. Yeah, that's like my second favorite team is the Titans. Henry was <laughs> Henry was amazing. He was a beast. Yeah. He was like watching Marshawn Lynch in his prime. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he was he was pretty special, especially in the playoffs. It was so cool to watch them beat the shit out of the Patriots. Yep. All right, Johnny. Well, anyway, all right, Cody. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Two hours. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad we could get some Steeler talk into this, though. Yeah. That's awesome. Any, anytime, man. Anytime you want to catch up or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Maybe maybe yeah. we do a uh, Steelers preview show or something, and we'll put you Absolutely. on. Absolutely. All right, man. All right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. All right. Appreciate it. Bye.